looking for a podcast about nothing, then you are definitely in the right spot. Join Ross Peterson and Mark Charter each week as they discuss life, current events, and the things you are not allowed to talk about at work. Okay, hang on, because here we go. This is Ross and Mark, Jump the Shark. Jump the Shark is sponsored by Charterhouse Real Estate. Charterhouse can help you save thousands when you sell, and we can help you buy your next home as well. Google Charterhouse to see hundreds of great reviews or learn more about us at charterhouseiowa.com. Now here is the show. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. Ross, we can the, feel it in our plums. Is that the official opening of the Jump the Shark podcast? I mean, no, we have an opening. We don't play it here. I added in later. You know, we, we definitely <laughs> we definitely have an opening. But uh, I just like that that's become a, a thing now. I can feel it in my plums. Yeah. I uh, I have not looked at the numbers yet for the eight of you listening. Uh, you know, Welcome back to uh, episode number three of Jump the Shark. Man, I hope there's more than eight. Uh, so who cares? Who cares? We're, I mean, what, it's just you and me matter? talking. Yeah, right, right. It, it doesn't matter. It's all we're doing you, here. Uh, it's talking. Are you at all interested? I don't know, you have you have the TV on over your head here. Are you at all interested in the fight this weekend with Wilder and Fury? Could not care less. And okay. in fact, I'm going right. to be in Vegas. That's ironically. right. Yeah. yeah, you guys are going to have a fun time, man. Nate's going for the first time. I'm excited for him. Yeah, it's just um, Fury. Who? Who's the other guy? Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. This is the sad thing, Mark, and this maybe this you know it wasn't where we planned on starting, but um, Wilder is kind of a f- fascinating sports character to me. The dude is a wrecking ball. He is forty-two and zero with forty-one. And I shouldn't say that. Okay, I need to back up. He has forty-two fights, one draw. Okay, forty-one wins, forty of which are by knockout. Okay. So he's had one fight that didn't end by knockout and one fight that ended in a draw. So this is heavyweight? He's a heavyweight. He's an, Amer- he's an American-born kid. I think he's from, like, the Baltimore area, something like that. So it's just fascinating I've to seen me. a little bit on Fury. I've seen his story before yeah. and, like, the, the stock he came from and they're all fighters it's and all that. It's fascinating to me that people know more about Fury here in America than they do an undefeated heavyweight champion. Because for a long time it was like, well, people don't care about heavyweight boxing because there's no Americans. Yeah. Well, now one of the most dynamic heavyweights of all time is American, and we still don't give a crap. We just... Well, because I think UFC has has overtaken boxing. But let me ask you this. Do you follow boxing pretty close? Used to, very close. Okay, so so what's your summary of what happened? It, meaning, when I'm growing up, I remember Tyson was a huge deal. Tyson fight coming out. He was demolishing people. Uh, people were going ape over Tyson. Then you obviously had Holyfield was a big name. You had Lennox Lewis, who was a big name, um, and, and several others in there. And then at some point, it just died. It just died. They just ran out of good quality heavyweights. Because I've never cared about the uh, lightweight, featherweight uh, Mark, did at you, all. Did you ever collect baseball cards? Yeah. Uh, did you? I'm going to take a guess and say you stopped collecting baseball cards like early to mid-90s. I don't remember a specific time. I think what what made me stop doing it was too many brands were coming out and it felt like it was above my head at that point. Boom. That's what happened with boxing. Okay. You, it went from having a heavyweight champion, a middleweight champion. It went from, you know, where we all knew when uh, Hearns and Hagler fought that that, whoever won that fight, that guy was the champion of the world at that weight class. Yep. And then all of a sudden it became WBA, WBC, Ring Magazine, there are something like seven or eight titles. I mean, world titles. There's okay. three that matter, but there are, there's a bunch of them out there. I think that's part of what happened, was that you started to water it down with all these different promotions, promoters, television deals. Money got in the way of all of it. Where uh, you know, And that's one of the things Tyson Fury, If you, he's a very cocky guy, but one of the things that he brags about is that he brought two competing brands together. I think it's like top rank pay-per-view and HBO pay-per-view because both of these guys are undefeated. 
Fury's undefeated and so is Wilder. The reason they had not fought up until just a few years ago was because of these competing contracts. Not the only reason. It took a while for their careers to come together and Fury's got sidetracked by a bunch of stuff. But anyway, that's one of the things Tyson Fury brags about is, hey, I brought these two brands together that never would have come to the table with one another. That's certainly one of the things that's hurting boxing and has hurt it for a long time. Um, I do think the lack of American participation hurt it here in the States. Not having a, you know, Oscar De La Hoya was maybe the last great, well, I mean, obviously Mayweather is un- unbelievable. And then he but, went and wore panties. Yeah, he just doesn't phones. have the same, it just doesn't have the same feel for some reason. It's got to be Mayweather. heavyweights for me. It always was back when I was younger watching I mean, the sport. Got to be like a threat of a knockout, man. Yeah. I loved Roy Jones Jr. The Roy fight Jones. of the cinch as a uh, member Williams yeah. party. I think yeah. it was a party of the cinch, but it was around the fight. It was the um, Mayweather Pacquiao. Mayweather Pacquiao and it never felt like it was even going to be close no. to a knockout. That to me is not exciting. Maybe this fight will be. How long, yeah. how long are the average fights like, going for these guys? Well, Wilder has... Both of these guys are knockout specialists. Yep. Uh, Fury's record off the top of my head, Mark, it's something like... What a great name for a boxer, Tyson by the Fury, way. Tyson oh, Fury, right. And he's name. got some great nicknames, too. Really? Too Fast. Yeah. So too, too Fast. Tyson Fury. Fury. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> See what they did there? Uh, the other one is the Gypsy King. <laughs> and because of the accent... He's a bit of a... Entire, like a... It's a pikey. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. From uh, Snatch, the movie Snatch, and, right? And then uh, what's uh, there's some others in there. You know, he's got some good ones. Bit of a pikey. But Deontay Wild Fury's record is something like twenty three wins with twenty one knockouts, and he doesn't have a loss either. His only draw is to is to Wilder. Um, so something's got to give. Yeah, one of these guys is going to go, but they both have a ton of knockouts. That's yeah. my point, I guess, is that. Uh, Fury had not even been knocked down until he fought Wilder, who knocked him down twice in the fight. Yeah, and Wilder has the the most devastating right hand, like in boxing, maybe in boxing history. The dude, he, he's an unorthodox fighter. He doesn't really fight. Looks like he's kind of street brawling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's got. It looks like a, when basketball players try to fight, and it looks weird. Yeah, that's what. It, and this dude's the heavyweight champ and knocks dudes out in those early rounds on the regular. So that's why it's surprising to me that like he doesn't have that Mike Tyson kind of fanfare. Yeah. Just uh, shows how far boxing's fallen. Well, because other sports have gotten better. Honestly, UFC has become a thing. Many many years ago, it was existing, but it wasn't a thing. Sports viewing is a lot like politics, Mark, in that you only have so much time, you only have so much discretion, you only have one vote. And if it, it, MMA certainly took my time, my vote away from boxing, mm-hmm. I don't. If if there were uh, if Conor McGregor were fighting one of the Diaz brothers yep. Saturday, Saturday night, I wouldn't give a crap about the Wilder Fury fight. Okay, all right. Well, if I find a ticket out there, that'd be something I'd actually be interested in going to watch. It'd be fun. I've never been to. I've been to like a UFC type fight before, but I've never been to a boxing. I think Bensy said you could get in the rafters for like two fifty. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I have to win a bet out there, and then, <laughs> I, then I'll say, okay, I'll take my winnings and do it. Um, no, but I I don't know. Teach their own. If you like boxing out there, great. It's just not something I've cared about since it felt like the Tyson era, to be honest. Biting ears off. I mean, that's that's what I remember growing up with. Um, I wonder if that's part of it, Mark. I wonder if maybe it's because we all felt so disappointed. Tyson, obviously, the, the end of his career turned into... Buster Douglas fight. Remember that one? Well, that was the beginning of the end. I yep. mean, the biting of the year... Uh, you know, the, the prison, the, all the horrible stuff that came with Tyson at the end of his career, man, that was nothing like what we had hoped and, and dreamed that would be in the late 80s. So maybe that's part of the reason why boxing fell off. Is it was like, man, we don't want to prop anybody else up because they're just going to turn out to be dirt balls. Do you ever wonder, I, don't know. Um, I thought about this specifically with Mike Tyson, where certain people can't ever seem to overcome their past and other people seem to have no problem doing it. Mike Tyson's one of those guys where he makes the rounds, he's on Kimmel, he's at, at, at roasts on Comedy Central, he's viewed as a funny guy, he makes a cameo in the movie Hangover, all this stuff. Dude's a convicted rapist. It's like people forget. Not like a he said, she th- said thing, like a hold he, you down and rape you type of thing. He's a convicted rapist. Correct. Yeah. Who went to prison for rape. And people 
don't hold it against them at all, I don't think. It's wild. Is this surprising to you, or is it just something that I think is weird that isn't? I mean, the guy served his time. I mean, you can make that argument. Yeah, Mark, I think, uh, man, this is probably a, this is a good conversation. My knee-jerk reaction to, to it says that uh, it's different because of how Tyson has handled his own story. He's, he's so much of a different guy now than he was then. He's so calm. He seems so introspective now. And I think that's probably a big part of it, is that he seemed to have owned those big mistakes. He seems to have very genuine, real reasons slash excuses for that. And I think most of us know those stories now about his horrible upbringing and um, you know being picked on relentlessly. And uh, um, so, I mean, I think there's... Maybe that's part of it, is that we under, you understand Tyson's story so much because it's been shared, and you see him now, and it is easy, man. When I, when, I, when I see Mike Tyson, I don't see a rapist. I don't even see the former heavyweight champion of the world. I see like a, uh, a character, right? almost like yeah. a Rodney Dangerfield-esque yeah. entertainer. I wonder why that is. Why do we do that? Now, I, I, the only thing I can come up with, again, just... I'd love to kick the tires on this, but the first thing that comes to my mind is he's handled it so well. He's owned it all. Never run away from it. Does the, go, gets up on stage and does the one-man show and talks about all of his life and his pigeons and all the weird. Tigers. Yeah, and I yeah. think that Everything. I think that's got to be part of it, right? Is that why we forgive him and we don't because forgive? Because he's like, so weird. I mean, when you hear the name Michael Vick, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Dog well, fighting. yeah, it's not uh, dog fighting. When I hear Mike Tyson, I don't think rapist. Yeah, and what's funny is the animal activists out there will hate me, but you know, and I think most people would agree with this: dog fighting and rape are two different categories. Completely, for me. That's, that's why I'm saying, isn't it weird? Like Michael Vick made a dumb choice, but I also think he made a choice that was more common to where he was, like geographically yeah. at that time, right. and how he was raised, and all of that. So I never looked at him as like, man, he's never gonna be forgiven for this. By certain people, yes. But totally, totally different for, for me. I, but I agree. You think about it. Yeah, and that's and I I would agree with what you say there. I, I, both of them horrible things, but violations to humans are are of another level. Yeah. And we've taken a guy that was convicted of doing those violations to humans, and somehow, even in my own brain, man, it's like, oh, lovable Mike Tyson. Yeah. But if Mike Vick walked in this room right now with all the stuff he's done to rehabilitate his image, yeah, all the things he's done to donate to. Uh, animal rescue leagues and things like that. If you walked in this room right now, the first thing I would think of is, oh, man, that guy was a great quarterback until he started running that dog fighting ring. Yeah, yeah, he definitely Weird. blew some of his most Weird, talented man. years doing something he didn't need do to you, do. So, do you suppose, man, what is that, Mark? Do you think it's do you, is it the way that Tyson has just been so open and owned it and allowed himself to be the punchline? I'm trying to think of somebody else who would fit roughly the same bill, Vic jumps to mind as well, but I was thinking there was someone else. Is anyone else that you know that's been convicted of a fairly serious crime? Um, I can think of people that got off serious crimes, like Snoop Dogg is beloved, and he was on trial for murder. Um, not not found guilty. Um, Ray Lewis is pretty well loved by most people, I would think. OJ never... I mean, OJ, would, you, you wouldn't see OJ on the CBS NFL panel. OJ is one of the guys that worked the other way. He got found innocent, but pretty much everybody thinks he did it. Right. Right? So I think we treat him as if he did it. Um, and then, the, the, talk about perplexing human moments. OJ spends all that time. He's going to go away for life. Uh, found guilty. Should have been found guilty. I think most people agree with that. And then you would think, okay, go on with the rest of your life, all the freedom you have, and just don't mess up. And then a short time after that, he gets busted for essentially armed robbery, goes to prison for it. You know that story. How it all happened. Well, he, something about his memorabilia. A guy had it. He was going back to get it. In um, Vegas. In Vegas. Yeah. He went to, uh, yeah, yeah. Someone right. had a gun. I don't think OJ did. No, he had a group of, he had a Thugs. group of dudes with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some, wild. Yeah, there's someone who was carrying weapons there. But anyway, OJ, yeah, OJ is an interesting story too. Um I was going to go in two different areas. When, it, when you get rolling on that, it always makes me think of other things. But the one thing I wanted to ask you, because we were going back to our youth, you are asking if I collected baseball cards. I was interested in um, if you have anything from your childhood, maybe even a couple years. I like to ask people this question. 
couple years, couple specific brands, uh, specific cards, specific moments that stick out for you when you think about your childhood. Because you and I, as we've said many times, have a lot of similarities growing up. We both love baseball. Um, we both had dads that took us to baseball games. Um, so I remember, you know, collecting baseball cards was a big part of my youth for a while. One of the things that stood out to me, I was going to ask you if you remember these. Um, no idea how old I was. I'm going to say I was probably 9, 10, 11 when these came out. There was a series of uh, baseball coins that came out. They'd come in three in a package. It was kind of a, a horizontal, skinny looking, almost like the shape of a ruler, but shorter uh, package that you could go buy at, at the drugstore. And the coin was like blue or pink or gold. And like a tin. Like a tin. And there was a picture on the inside. Yeah. And I remember collecting these <laughs> That's things. That's really good, right? Parker. Do you remember those? I would, I would go around the mall parking lot growing up uh, in Ames near the mall and like look, look for pop cans and stuff, find them, run them over to the grocery store, get my 40 cents, run over to Rexall Drug, buy a pack. And I just did that. That's what I would do in the summer. Just like, I got to get another pack. I get another pack and just scrounge money to figure out a way to do it. Until I had the complete collection of stuff. Of course, the frustration of, crap, I already got that. Yeah. Like, if you Man, remember that. That's a fun that. one, Mark. I do remember those little, they, they almost looked like uh, bottle caps or something. Because they even had a little bit of a... Uh, little lip. Lip, right. That's it, to right. Them. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, those were really cool. I do remember those I bet things. I could go on eBay and find them. I bet someone's oh, yeah. got the whole set. I bet I've got a couple of them laying around the house somewhere. So what? I'm almost certain I do. What cards? So here's a, here's a great story, by the way, about my dad. I don't even know if my dad listens to this, but we were talking before we started today just about parents, parenting. Um, we're both parenting children right now, and, and part of being a parent is being selfless. So for a while, I don't remember all the details of this, but for a while, uh, my dad was into collecting too. So I've got uh, baseball cards. Baseball cards. Okay. So I've got a couple. I got a couple of dad stories here uh, that jump out. Um, the first one was we were looking for Jose Canseco cards. Like this would have been around his rookie uh, year when Jose Canseco rookie cards were valuable. And by valuable at that point, I mean it was probably like forty bucks a card right, or something right. like that. Um, <laughs> and I remember going with my dad in Ames to Kmart. Okay, so Kmart would have a bin, and in this bin, they have, like, um, these packs of cards that were in clear plastic, and they were, like, there was four of them together. Like, you'd hold it up, and it would kind of unfold, et cetera. Yeah, know what you're talking about. Couldn't tell you the brand at all, but the way they were packaged. And I remember my dad and I standing at this bin, grabbing these cards, and if you held them just right... You could, you could see what you was could behind nudge them. them. Yeah. You could nudge one card up yeah. after another after another. And I remember standing there, like, for an hour... Like going through all these and like the excitement of finding like a Canseco and knowing like here's the one we need to buy, right? So I remember that. It's funny that both of these stories are Canseco related because I had a period where I collected Canseco. Yeah. And I remember going with my dad to a card show. I think it was at like an airport hotel or it might have been Merle Hay Mall. I don't remember this, but my dad, for whatever reason, had a ton of Eric Davis rookie cards <laughs> yes right gosh he was gonna be so yeah good. he had a ton of eric davis rookie cards he had a lot of them for some reason and i was in love with canseco and i wanted the jose canseco uh, rookie card which is him and i think it's eric Shaw. is a it's a side-by-side okay. card they used to do those yeah where two players on one card and for whatever reason that card at that time was pretty valuable maybe it was a hundred dollar card or so and we came across a booth um a guy had it and I'm like, I wanted this card bad. And my dad had brought like his book yeah, of the, cards, the, right? Yeah, yeah, the, right? The binder of cards. And I have no idea how many of this was, but I remember my dad like going back and forth with this guy. And I swear to God, my dad gave like 15 of his Eric Davis rookie cards to this guy so I could have the Jose Canseco. It's like, those are the stories that I remember that like make me a good father today, <laughs> right? So he starts like, look what my dad is willing to do for me, you know, to, to make me happy and stuff like that. So when I think back about baseball cards, like I have good memories of them. Everybody remembers F face, you know, which was the 88 Fleer card, uh, with Billy, uh, Ripken. Billy, Billy Ripken Jr. Um, but which ones stand out to you? Like even from a design standpoint, do you have any like from your uh, oh youth yeah, that absolutely. you loved? Yeah. So the the one that I had the most connection to was the uh, Don, Don Mattingly was my favorite player, and his 1984 Tops rookie card was yep. basically like what your ta- dad's talking about. You're talking about your dad's friend Canseco. 
I wanted that card so bad, and I would buy every pack of 1984 tops I could get my hands on. for and Because it, it was hard in 1987 to find a pack of 1984 baseball cards. Yeah. I mean, if, when you did, it was yeah. they were pretty expensive and whatnot. And so you basically had to find somebody that had the card you were looking for and try to buy it from them. And a friend of mine's cousin had that card, and I bought it off him for $25 when I was like 12 years old. Yeah. And I remember that being a big deal. All the time. money in the world. Oh, that was a lot of money at that time. And uh, but the, So that was the Don Mattingly rookie card was my favorite card. But then the 89 um, Ken Griffey Jr. upper deck, mm-hmm. that was like the you, – you weren't – That was the you, one. You had to have that card if you were going to be a That was one of the collector. most valuable cards of my childhood. It was a $100 card when yeah. we were kids. Yeah. Um, let's see. Then, yeah, the Billy Ripken – God, there's got to be a thousand others that are popping through my head, man. I uh, I just think color. Like, I remember Fleer had a year, maybe 89 or so, that was, like, the cards were really colorful. There was purples on there. I was a back-of-the-card reader. I Eight, loved the facts. On 88 the Fleer, by the way, was a very unique-looking card, too. It was a gray card with stripes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Fleers I didn't like so much because the back of the card looked like a... Uh, baseball reference sheet. You know yep. what I mean? It yep. was just packed full of stats. Were you a fan of Topps gum or not? Of course. Loved yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It was the first thing I'd do when you tore open a pack of gum was you'd uh, you'd bite through that nasty, chalky gum. Yep. Um, I remember, so, uh, Mickey Bradley, whose kid plays Major League Baseball right now, he was childhood friends with Mike Tyson, and I know that because the back of his 1985 Topps card said that. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So were you a stats geek? Were yeah, you totally. mem- memorizing all the numbers? Yeah, I played baseball. I played a game with my cards, but it was a dice game. Yeah. So I had a bunch of different dice baseball games when I was a kid. There was uh, people might have heard of Stratomatic mm-hmm. or maybe a, a really classic game called APBA Baseball. Like a precursor to rotisserie, yes. fantasy baseball type stuff. Yeah, in a way, okay. because this was more. This was a dice game, so you didn't wait for the actual games to play out and then use those stats. You generated a fake game and then okay. a- applied those stats. Okay, but you would do it. It was kind of like a Dungeons and Dragons thing too, in that you could do your own thing. You could say, okay, on this pitch, I want to try to steal with Ricky Henderson. Yeah, and then you would, uh, you know, that it gave you ways to calculate what your chances were of being successful, you'd roll the dice, and then the game would go play by play, and even at sometimes pitch by pitch Yeah, that way. I had a really simple one. I don't even know what the name of it was. It was my favorite one that just used the baseball cards, and it used batting average and home runs, and then you rolled the dice. But you could play a game in just a couple of minutes. You could yeah. play a, a full you know, seven or nine inning game. I've not, I've not done this yet, but talk about an interesting trip down uh, memory lane. Tell me if this would entice you or not or be something that you'd like to do, especially with your son. Um, if I got my hands on a box of, uh, eight, was it Topps 84? Who was the, who was the Mattingly card? What brand? Yeah. 80 tops, 84, 84. If I got a, a, like a box of unopened 84 tops cards, I said, here you go. It's just a gift. Would you enjoy opening them and going through the memories and, and reliving what you used to do? Because I've seen some videos recently online of guys doing this it just you know it, they're cheaper now obviously you can find these boxes out there opening your tops removing the gum don't eat it because that's really really yeah, old gum at, the, really at, gross the, now. at this point but just reliving <laughs> like would you feel anything if you did that and found the mattingly today no one that's not worth anything but just this is that moment like for me it'd be like the equivalent of that plastic stuff i was talking about the cards in the plastic being able to like if I found some of those, it would be interesting to at least go through it again and kind of relive that moment. Mark, I don't even think you'd have to... I don't even think I'd have to have the experience of opening a Mattingly. I think... And, and not even in the 84... I think opening a pack of baseball cards from that time period, that... that and just, re, just that experience again... Uh, I think the smell. That, I think it would bring it all back. The I, smell I, yeah. of it, the, the tactile it feel of it matter. And I think, yeah, you're right. It, it would almost maybe even be bittersweet if you ran into that card now because it isn't worth anything. It's barely worth the cardboard it was printed on. And uh, you know, I think I'd have that realization in that moment of like, geez, what was I wasting all my day? But I, I think the, the experience, 
would bring back a flood of memories. It's you. That's such a great memory of you running around the parking lot and picking up the pop cans and going to the store and getting those coins. Mine was the Little League Park in Pleasant Hill because my dad always was a part of the board there. We grew up across the street from the park, so I grew up in that park. And it was always buying packs of cards from the concession stand. I 99.9% of the baseball cards I owned were purchased from the concession stand at the Little League. Yep. Probably at a huge upmark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? That's funny because I don't even remember cards ever being sold at any concession stands. Maybe it's because I wasn't buying them there or something. But that's interesting to me. I never even like... For me, there was a place... I don't know if you ever made it up to Ames ever, but there was a baseball um, or a sports card shop called Tryon's. No. It was on Main Street in Ames. Yeah. And just a, like a dingy little card shop. But, man, I loved going in there. It was like Saturday mornings with Dad going in and, and checking out, um, you know, just what's new or, or, or looking around. And, again, it's weird to think back and think, man, my dad collected cards, but he did. Like it was something that um, I have no idea. Where the, oh, you know, He actually sold all his cards to a guy that also worked at UPS um, who was a loader at the time. He wanted to start his own sports card shop and oh, did wow. oh, and did cool. he, so he bought all my dad's cards yeah, that's neat i have no idea if that shop is still there today but that was um i gotta ask brecky hey brecky did you ever go to tryons in ames baseball card shop oh yeah got a guy here that grew up in ames too so um i'm gonna see if i can get my hands on some old cards ross that experience of opening that pack unsealing the wax you know getting the gum sorting the cards flipping them over yeah, man, it, you know, seeing an Oral Hershiser, yep. uh, like, come on, uh, I got Kirk Gibson, I got a Kirk Gibson. Okay. So eighty four, eighty four was, was thirty six years ago. Man, if I brought you a, a pack of eighty four tops, would you eat the gum? No, I think it's uh, like you know, what? I think it's why I think, not? I think why it's not? like what's, a McDonald's French fry. Yeah, I, feel I don't like, think it ever goes bad. I don't feel like what's what's in that gum that's going to go bad. Yeah, I feel like it would still smell exactly the same. It would still be just as chalky. And how would you know if it had changed at all? It's green. Yeah, I guess if, yeah, if it's, if it's <laughs> supposed to be pink, wilted, wilted down to nothing. It's supposed to be pink, but looks almost white because <laughs> yeah. there's so much chalky substance on the stuff. It's, yeah, uh, yeah what, a, what a good time. Good memory. All right. Well, <laughs> from that, from good memory, should we uh, change topics yeah. to... Uh, to to the debate last night. I don't know if Did you... Did you watch that? I watched quite a bit of it. I yeah. have not enjoyed a debate that much. You know who won again last night, time. by the way? Donald Trump. Donald Trump. He's, that, he's winning every time they have a debate I right now. I will tell you, man, I, I don't think that Bloomberg had quite as bad of a night as a lot of people think that he did. Because, uh, you know, there's this saying, about, uh, a very conservative commentator... Ben Shapiro, do you ever listen oh, yeah. to Shapiro? Yeah. He always talks about things being baked into the cake with okay. Donald Trump. That you can't really you can't really spoil Donald Trump by telling people what's in his past because most of it people know. It, it, so you when people say, Hey, by the way, Donald Trump is a sexist uh, uh, butthead, you go, Yeah, I've I've known that since nineteen eighty five. I know. Yeah. yeah. So basically, it's like when you go to bite, eat a bite of cake and somebody comes up to you and goes, hey, you know there's flour and sugar and frosting in that cake. You go, yeah, I, I knew it when I grabbed it. Yeah, I knew who Donald Trump was when, I, when the guy showed up on the scene, and I thought he was just there to sell books. And the same thing applies for, Donald, for uh, 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 Michael Bloomberg. That, all, that the oohs and ahs, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate that we do presidential debates with a live audience. It's yeah. the dumbest thing ever because they're all just out there going for the applause line and the ooh-ah factor. And there were a lot of ooh-ah factors last night against Bloomberg when Warren Agreed. calls him out for being, uh, um, uh, for having the, uh, uh, what do they call the don't talk about? <sighs> oh, gosh, the guy has... Signed a bunch of things for women not to ever talk about uh, uh, the NDAs. NDAs, thank you, non-disclosure yeah. acts. Yeah. Um, he also got beat up for the uh, uh, stop and frisk policy. These are things that people know about Bloomberg, and anybody that was impressed by him jumping into the race or thought that he was going to be a good alternative in this race was not oohed and awed by that stuff they knew it and they don't care they what they care about is did he do a good job as the mayor of new york and can he beat donald trump and maybe in reverse order sure so i don't think 
for all the people that were like, oh, at the end of Michael Bloomberg, damn. No, man. No, this is exactly. In fact, what well, there's happened, no reason for him to end because he could finance his own right. path. And what happened last night, Mark, is the same thing that I saw happen with the Republican Party when Donald Trump became a serious candidate also. When somebody gets up on that stage that will just lambaste everybody, yeah. has absolutely no couth, will say, you know, what do we call Bernie a commie last night on stage? Yeah, we did. Like, once it takes one person up on that stage to start to do that, and everybody up on the stage starts to act the same way. Yep. You know, all of a sudden you get Marco Rubio challenging Donald Trump to a fight. One of them starts talking about how big their penis is or something like that. <laughs> Remember that? That literally uh, happened in a presidential debate with the Republicans. And then last night, the same thing happens where once, as soon as Bloomberg's on that stage, Warren takes the gloves off and takes a, takes a swing, and then it was on. And every one of them up there at one point, wore the bullseye, and and yep. and they were. Well, you had Klobuchar um, saying things against Buttigieg. Buttigieg going back, and Klobuchar, who are kind of like the the bottom of the tier in terms of not not where they stand on the polls, but just the least amount of stature, least well known. One's a mayor, one's a senator. Um, but it's just, uh, I love the part about you know Bernie's a avowed socialist. Um, Nate's ripping something up. Oh, wow. he's, he's an avowed socialist. Um, and then Bloomberg comes in with like, you're a socialist that owns three houses. And then Bernie's defending what his houses are. I, I own a house in Vermont. Yeah, I, I work in and D.C. I work in D.C. And, and then like, like many others, I've got a house. Like thousands of other Vermonters. I have I've got a, a lake house <laughs> as well. It's like, And then they're like, you know, Pete's over there going like, I'm the only one who's not a millionaire or a billionaire. Why is, why is that a good thing? Why would you? I mean, I'm not. I want to be like, Pete, you suck, man. Where's, your, not, where's yeah. your million dollars? And, and here's the thing, Pete. You're only a millionaire. You're only not a millionaire because you haven't sold the book yet. He That's will it. be a millionaire. He's going to be a millionaire when he, After this. as soon as he wants to be, he'll be a millionaire. Yeah, for sure. So it's just, do, do you have a feeling, now you've got a background in politics having worked with Jan Michelson for years, et cetera, so sometimes I feel like maybe you just have an inclination for these things, et cetera. Is it completely far-fetched at this point to think, especially as we get closer and closer to November, that we're going to see somebody named Hillary jumping in at some point? I mean, is, Hil is Hillary dead in the water? Is she still a possibility to jump in? Because, okay, I'm, bi I'm, bi I'm biased on this. For president? For president. Nope, too late. You think too late, yep. for sure. Yep. Can't get on the ballots in some places, in, so, mo in most of the states. So now the question is, VP of Bloomberg yep. has been thrown around. Viability there? that would be a... Maybe I'm wrong, but I... I was wrong four years ago. I thought that Donald Trump was in the race to sell books, didn't really want to be president. I thought he proved it over and over again when he seemed to go out and sabotage his own campaign by, you know, talking about how big as Johnson was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. crazy stuff. Like this guy didn't want to be president. He's just out here yeah. to, to sell the books. And Hillary's going to clean the floor with this guy. Yep. Um, so I was so wrong about that. But I think I'm right about this. If what won that race was Hillary Clinton. It was... People, and there weren't a lot of people that necessarily wanted to vote for Donald Trump. That, I think won people, it by believing the hype that she was super far ahead. No, 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 no. I think that Hillary does two things. She doesn't inspire Democrats to come out and vote, and she does inspire Republicans to come out and vote. That's true. So, okay. so if Bloomberg did, whoever, if they pick Hillary as the running mate, it will be toxic and maybe even suicidal to the campaign because. Americans just are adamant. We don't want her around. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I shouldn't say adamant. The lady did win the popular vote, yeah. right? She had more votes than Donald Trump. But I, th my gut tells me that uh, that would be a bad move. You, man, vice president, look at look at what's happened with successful presidential candidates and their vice presidential picks over the last. I mean, my lifetime, going back to when Reagan picked George W. Bo or George Bush. Outside of that one pick, when Bush takes Quail, when Clinton takes Gore, uh, when Obama takes Biden, when when Bush took Cheney, you weren't taking a person that also wanted to be president. Correct. Well, maybe maybe, maybe Cheney, Gore. maybe Cheney. I don't he wanted think Cheney to rule the world. I think because I think Cheney knew that that vice presidential spot was the spot he wanted to be in because yeah. he could do all the things he behind wanted to do. Yeah, right. He was kind of essentially behind the scenes. Yeah. 
you know, you don't, Joe Biden, uh, Barack Obama knew that people wouldn't, weren't really clamoring for Joe Biden to be president. Donald Trump knew that nobody was going to be clamoring for Mike Pence to be president. Yeah. If you take Hillary Clinton, you're going to have a lot of people, a section of your base that is instantly going to turn on you and go, well, you know yeah. what? You suck. Hillary wouldn't have done this. And I, and by the way, I think any of these candidates also see Hillary as that opportunistic person also. Sure. You bring her in as the VP, you never know what's happening behind your back. Got to double check your sandwich before you eat lunch with her. If you're the president, <laughs> man, she wants that seat bad. Um, that's how I, that's how I'd look at it. I know. I don't, you know, and obviously people that listen to this might be of the uh, liberal tilt and that's okay. But this is my viewpoint on on this upcoming election. Right now, I see a group of people uh, that 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 none of them are going to be president. S- simple as that. But let's look at the front runner for a second. Let's call it Bernie Sanders. I know it's close in some regard, but Bernie Sanders is going to be uh, the nominee unless the Democratic Party has something to say about Dude, it, and which, they're going which, to, which they don't want. Like, but here, here's two alternative. Here's two scenarios. Okay, in scenario one, Bernie is the nominee. Okay. I think it's kind of like, how come there's no Trump supporters? I don't hear any Trump supporters. I never see them on social media. Well, they stay quiet because if they come out and say something, then they get attacked for liking Trump. So just because you're not hearing about him doesn't mean that they're not there. Okay. I think it's kind of the opposite for Bernie. Bernie becomes the nominee. I think a lot of people that might be Democrat or might hate Trump are still going to have a hard time voting for Bernie Sanders because of some of his positions. So because of that, Trump wins. Now, the other scenario is this. Bernie should be the nominee. He has the rightful uh, positioning to be and somehow gets cheated out of it mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. right? Now what, do we support? Right. now what do his supporters do? I don't think they support the other candidate. I think they say we're burning it to the ground and we're not voting for anybody so, or we're going to vote for Trump despite the party, yeah. the discrutum. So either way, I think Trump wins. All right, so you, let's go through your first scenario because I think there's, you and I do disagree on something on the what you laid out there. Um, Bernie, Bernie has a Trump factor to him in, in this way. Not all of his support shows up. You're right that Trump supporters are quiet for the most part because they're sick of being called racist and all this stuff. So they just shut up and they just sit in the woodwork and when the phone rings and they say who you support and they go, sure, Elizabeth Warren. Yep. And then when they go in the voting booth, they close the curtain and they pull the Trump lever because that's who they again. It's the Michael Bloomberg thing. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not voting for a guy to raise my kids. I'm voting yeah. for a dude to run the economy. Yep. So I don't care about all the other stuff that's yep. in the cake. Uh, I so Bernie's supporters are, are much more vocal, but not all of Bernie's support shows up on polls because polls are usually designed to show former voters, usual voters, that sort of thing. Bernie has a Trump factor in that a lot of his support are people that are Bernie or nothing. They're going to go vote for Bernie, and they're not going to pull the lever for anybody else, and they never have or never will again, so they don't show up in the polls. So I think if he becomes the nominee, he poses a much bigger threat to Trump than people are giving him credit for right now. And just for the same reasons, again, that I was wrong four years ago, didn't see all that Trump support because it was so quiet. I think that Bernie has that first element of people think you're crazy if you're a Bernie supporter. So a lot of his supporters just sure. shut up and lie. Sure. And then the second thing is that a lot of them just don't even show up on polls because they aren't they don't uh, they don't show up that way. Let me ask you this yeah. question on Bernie: Which is more likely that Bernie becomes the nominee, or Bernie gets screwed out yeah, of which, being the nominee? Which brings us to your second point on that thing, right? About first of all, to that point, I'm surprised that the Bernie Bros didn't burn it down four years ago. They got screwed then. Yeah. And there's all sorts of stuff out there about how they got screwed over. Yeah. And they and but they just thought, you know what, that's what happened and we probably you know, Trump was Russia and Trump were doing their thing anyway, so we'll do it here in twenty twenty. Sure. Yep. Uh dude, that was the amazing one of the amazing parts about last night was when they were talking about the convention. And they said, all right, let's, uh, let's play the hypothetical game here. Yeah. Because they all know. They've all done the math. They've all got really smart people that have done the math for them that tell them this is how this is going to play out. We're going to go to the convention with Bernie leading the way in delegates but not having enough, enough. to secure the nomination, yeah. which is going to lead so to So the question was to the other candidates, will you support Bernie? That's yes. essentially what the question was. And the answer was no, no across yeah. the board, <laughs> Yeah, which can lead to all sorts of crazy stuff. All sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, 
Cleveland, I mean, Cleveland's going to be on fire this year, by the way, man. Where the convention is, I mean, it's going to it be Cleveland. I thought it was. I think it's Cleveland. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure it's Cleveland. Okay, all right. I I, I read something wherever about the, the city it, is, I, I and read, I think it's Cleveland. I actually read something about the city. Maybe it was Cleveland. I, I think it's going to be a crazy, crazy, crazy time this summer. Nuts, man. Yeah. This and then th- like we haven't even got to the general election yet. We haven't even got to the part where Donald Trump's on the stage, the debates <laughs> with a camera in his face. What? Oh man. I like does part of you like look kind of look forward to it from an entertainment perspective? Because that, that's where I am. I do, Mark, and I, I okay. I, mean, I want to see Trump and Bernie go head to head. I want to see Trump and Bloomberg go head to head. This is the thing I thought would happen with the, I thought Trump's impact on America would be the exact opposite of what it is, Mark, what it has been. I thought people were going to realize once Donald Trump was in office for a while that we've all been taking this stuff way too serious for way too long. I really did. I thought that after a couple of years, we'd all look around and go, oh, wait, we've been thinking that people like him were important and, yeah. and, and deserved our sure. praise. Huh? Yep. How silly of us. Now we can go on with realizing that politics are just people. Yep. Politicians are just people. And the exact opposite's happened, man. We take it more serious. We, we take... Everything that Donald Trump sneezes out all of a sudden becomes a news story, and and we're and what somebody thinks about his sneeze on Twitter becomes every a news tweet, story. It's every just, everything. Yeah. Yes, and I, um, I wish that we could have just all realized how silly this political charade is. It's all theater. It's political theater. Trump's a master at it, man. He's a master at getting people to react, um, manipulating the narrative. It's and it's just I see it over and over and over again where it's all theater, man. And I, I wish people would have realized it a long time ago, but uh, we still don't. We're farther away from it. So let's play prediction time here. Yeah, let's do it. Who uh, will be the nominee? How do you see it playing out? Who can we? <laughs> hey, here you go. Who can you rule out? Klobuchar's out. Buttigieg, I don't think, has the legs. Yeah, you know, I don't. uh, I like Amy Klobuchar. I wish that she could have gotten a little bit more run here. She comes. By the way, I don't mind her either, but she comes off to me a little bit too mom-like and not enough presidential-like. That's my read of her. Yeah, but I don't. We love our moms, but Donald Trump is the furthest thing from presidential. It's true. So I don't know that that's even a a thing anymore. I don't know. I, I, my favorite in the race was Tulsi. My second favorite in the race was Yang. <laughs> and not, they're not and, bad in a thousand. Okay. <laughs> they're, All right. they're, they're out. And so now it's, uh, you know, I don't even know with this remaining group. It's not a, it's not a good look. That's for sure. But uh, you're not a gambling man, but if you were, your Bernie, money's going away. My, if I'm a gam, if you, you're going to put a gun to my head and make me put a bet on the yes, table. I am. It's burning okay. right now. And, and, but I am really curious as to how that goes down because if they go to that convention, I don't know how yeah. he walks out of there with that. And it's, then it's, I don't it's know. It's going to be a tumultuous time. It's going to be crazy, I'm telling you, man. Tell, you want to talk news stories? Wait for that thing, dude. I mean, I'm telling you. Riot type stuff. And, and another, um, watch this. People are also going to say that because the Democrats are being so nasty to each other now that Bloomberg is on stage, you're going to hear yeah. this over and over. People are going to say, oh, this is self-destructive. We're beating each other up so bad that now we have no shot in the general election. Same exact thing happened with the Republicans. Yeah. Same exact thing. And 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 Hillary skated through and got the nomination. Well, I mean, you know, her and Bernie had their thing, but they were a lot more kumbaya. Sure, sure. And the Republicans sat there and, you know, did all that nasty mudslinging to one another, and then look what happened in the general. So I just watch that. People will over and over again say, well, now the Bloomberg's here, we're getting nasty and so, mean, and this is how we're going to lose. So going one step further, Bernie's your, your nominee. Come November, yeah. and a big assumption here, the economy is the same as yeah. it is today. Who wins? Trump wins in that scenario. Does he win large, though? Probably, because if the economy is still rolling and you're able to run clips of, uh, of Democrats calling Bernie a commie, yeah. <laughs> you're the, able to, well, you're the, able to the, say, hey, economists, economists say that they're the going to go all the way gonna- back to uh, like 79 when Bernie yeah, was talking again, about Iran stuff versus the United States Mark, kind of thing. Again, baked into the cake. Remember yeah. that phrase? And it's a really good one because that's that's a, certainly the case with Bernie. We all know 
nobody's going to be swayed. Nobody's going to change their mind on Bernie because they find out that he honeymooned in Moscow. <laughs> like, right? No, yeah, it's a beautiful city, right? Nope. Have you been? Nobody's going to be swayed because he's got pictures of Castro out there. You, everybody knows this stuff. He's been consistent yeah, his whole, right. whole career. So I don't think that will hurt him at all. There's no question. Uh, but in that scenario, Trump wins economy is still rolling and you get to stand up and go, look, this guy wants to change everybody's health care and uh, put $160 trillion, whatever, they, I mean, whatever the numbers yeah. are, you get to actually put hard numbers in that, in a debate. It's, I think that that's... So a, what is the scenario in your mind where Trump loses and it doesn't have to be against Bernie? Turns, economy turns. That's the biggest thing. I think that fact, that's probably the one thing. I mean, you, you could probably put anybody's name in the scenario that you laid out there. And as long as the economy is rolling the way it is, unemployment's down, interest rates are killing. Yeah. Dude. There was it, a poll done Mark, by we someone were, the other day. I know Keith uh, Murphy was talking about his show. 61% of people polled said they're better off now than they were three years ago. Yeah. It's a big indicator. We were kids, Mark, when they said the old phrase, it's the economy, stupid. Yeah. That's it. They just keep it simple. It's the economy. And if the economy is going well, you're going to keep the train going. If, if you have a job, if you're able right. to go on a vacation, yeah. et cetera, the average American's caring about those things. Yeah. So they're, What's they're, your, where's your 401k from four years ago? And they, and you, those are the things that make the difference in the margins. We all have friends that it doesn't matter. It, it wouldn't matter. Everybody in America could have a golden pot to piss in, and they're a Democrat, and they're going to vote for the D. Everybody in America could be standing in the welfare line and the, you know, the bread planes could be dropping food from the sky and people would say, well, I'm not voting for them damn socialist <laughs> Democrats. Like it, it, you know, I had a great government teacher at East High School named Stan Thompson. And he used to say, when, when explaining to us how liberal of a town Des Moines was and how dedicated Des Moines and Polk County is to Democrats. Yeah. He used to tell us Jesus Christ could walk across Gray's Lake, run as a Republican and lose in Polk County. <laughs> not, not too far fetched. It's honestly. not, it's not. No. And that, and, and it just, that's, that's where we are. So, but in the margin is where that thing nationally, that's where you're going to win and lose this thing. And I think if the economy is rolling, um, people are going to have no problem going in and voting for Trump and saying, man, this has all been a bunch of overreaction over the last couple of years. Things turn around. And, and Mark, if things turn around, that's where it's all going to go. But don't be surprised, dude. Something else is going to come up. They're going to come up with another November surprise here. We, we'll have another Trump bomb between now and the election. Another attempt at some type of impeachment process or something. something. Who knows? Yeah, you got to expect something. Okay, let's wrap up with this topic. All right, we're switching gears again. That's what we do here on Jump the Shark. I wanted to ask you your, your two cents, and I'll throw mine in as well, on the Astros scandal um, that's been rocking baseball. And there's a number of places we could go with this in terms of cheating, how you punish cheating, uh, what will the retaliation be like this year, immunity, um, how Rob Manfred uh, handled the whole thing, reaction from other players. There's a lot going on here, and it feels like it's a story that's not over. Um, I'm curious on your two cents. Uh, let, let me tell you just one thing I heard from some friends the other day who kind of had this opinion on everything. Their thought was everybody cheats. They cheated. It's not a big deal. There's, there's just nothing here. There's no story. Wow. I'm gonna, I, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. I'm uh, definitely on the side of how you win the game is just as important as winning itself, right? If you have to cheat to win something – it takes away from the win. That's how I view it. It's, and it's also ridiculous that people say it didn't have an effect. <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, we've heard that. We've heard that. Well, you know, our owner didn't. Uh, uh, our owner hasn't played baseball, so he doesn't know that uh, it doesn't make a difference. I'm like, if you know the pitch, it makes a big difference. Oh man. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm amazed that people would try to say that. It's not that big of a deal. I'm disappointed that we do have this attitude with sports a lot of times. Like, it was the same thing with, uh, with the steroid era. Like, well, hey, everybody's doing it. It doesn't make it right, man. And I, I, that's such a horrible excuse. First of all, we don't know that to be true. I, let's accept it. Let's, I'll, for the sake of the argument, I'll, I'll say, sure, everybody's cheating. 
The guys that got caught deserve to be punished, and they need to be punished so hard that every other team in baseball questions whether or not they should even cheat. That's how. That's the way you do it. You don't just go, well, you know what, guys, you're right. You were cheating and you got caught, so we'll just we'll just ignore the rule. We'll just say that rule doesn't exist, so now every team can start doing this thing. Yep. That's not what you do. Um, I don't, man, the, the punishment part of this, you've said a lot of things that are right there, Mark. This isn't over. We're going to find out, first of all, going back to the first point, we're going to find out that other teams are doing this. I'm amazed that the Astros haven't come out yet. Because these guys move around locker rooms so quickly. Yeah. And when you go, if I were to leave Charter House and I go to work at another real estate office, guess what I'm taking with me? All the secrets. All the secrets, man. And there's no more secrets here anymore. Now yeah. all that stuff goes there in that room. And I go, hey, by the way, here's something that they do and here's something that they say. Sure. And, and everybody does it in every industry all over the planet. That's why we have non-competes. That's and it's why not even disloyal because you're being loyal to the team you're on at that exactly moment. Exactly right. right. <laughs> you know? So I am amazed that we haven't had a little bit more of this stuff. And, and we had a great conversation on our Fanatics program with Turk Wendell, who kind of, you know, gave me a little bit more insight. This is a guy that spent a decade in Major League Baseball locker rooms. And he seemed to think that guys weren't saying anything because there's just a code. You just keep your mouth shut. You know, he said to us, I know the guys that were doing steroids. I know guys that were doing steroids that have never been mentioned. And I'm never going to mention them. I know guys that were mentioned that I know didn't do it. I'm there, not going to say that. There are codes. It's like you got yeah. the good, good buddy that's cheating on his wife. You don't go tell the wife. Right. Even if you feel like you should. Right. Right? Uh, well, that's an extreme case. But I guess <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not speaking from experience. I just know there's code, man. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a really tough one, I think. But this, what's amazed me is that it has, there, the, the debate thing, like, that we haven't had that Michael Bloomberg moment yet where everybody just started going, oh, yeah, well, oh, yeah, well, oh, yeah, well, you, you did this and you did that. You sure. Did that. Because all of these dudes have to know. They, somebody came from that Astros locker room and went to the Twins, Marwin Gonzalez, and he probably walked in there and like, hey, fellas, just so you know, yeah. when you pitch at Houston, listen for this stuff, watch yeah. out for this stuff. And so what did Houston do? Houston changes it up. You mix it up. You you change the code on the parking lot, right? Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You mix no, it up. Sure. Um, I, I, so I agree that there were probably more teams cheating. I think that teams are probably saw the penalties that were laid down for the Astros and didn't give a crap and are continuing with whatever their certain style of cheating is until they get caught. It doesn't mean that you excuse it. I don't know what the penalties are. I'm glad to see that Major League Baseball and the Players Union, Tony Clark, who was uh, uh, a longtime player when we were kids, first yeah. with the Tigers, he's now the players rep for the uh, union. And I was glad to see that he came out and said, go after these guys. Screw your immunity. If these, yeah, if what you, a slippery slope, though. Yeah, but if you found out these guys cheated the game, you've got to kick them out, Mark. I, I mean, Kick them out for a period of time? I think you use discretion. It, you know, how you get to the bottom of it, I don't know. And that's, that, that's I think, is the slippery slope part of it. Yeah. How, who do you trust? Who do you actually go to to, to decide what happened? But you've got to do that. And you've got to figure out who started this thing, who was the biggest benefactor. Yeah. I think, I think you certainly take away the World Series title, which always seemed like a silly thing to me. But now I see all the benefits that come with claiming a World Series title, not just having that banner hanging up. You get to merchandise the crap out of that thing yeah, for decades and decades I guess, and decades. I guess MLB has the power. Can they make the Houston Astros take down their banner in their own stadium? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. You're no longer the World Series champions. And when every record... Do you book, give it to the other team? No. Or there just isn't one? No, you vacate it. Okay. Yep. USC do that? Are they the champions in 2005? Do they get They a vacate it. So it's, it is a vacated title. It's like the Heisman Trophy. There, were, there was Bush no Bush had Heisman. to give this yeah, back. Yeah yeah, 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 that's interesting. So, so you would look uh, at 2017 as a year with no World Series. So game. as of today, though, let's say Manfred comes back and says, okay, we, we are going to do some punishments. And let's just say it's 30 games. You know, you can't punish what you, in theory, could, although it would screw up the entire game. You can't punish them all at the same time. Do you stagger punishments? These three guys are out 30 games, and these three guys are out 30 games. I mean, how the hell wow. would you do it? Wow. You can't just say you're all suspended for the year because you got a whole franchise that's screwed. You bring up their AAA team, and now you're doing that? I mean, what? he's in between a rock and a hard place, right? One, he has to go back on his word if he punishes them, which is tough. And then yeah. two, how do you punish them without affecting the game? 
Well, I think you going back on your word, man, is a uh, is admitting a mistake. You know, going back on your word in this scenario is going back and saying, "Man, I made a promise that I never should have made, and I made a promise that I cannot up- uphold, and I made a promise I'm not going to uphold because I've realized the position I put myself in, and uh, it's uh, what un- untenable. So we're going to change. I'm, I'm going to renegotiate." And I'm going to tell you that uh, I made a mistake and I, and I am going to reevaluate this stuff and think about punishing you guys. And now that, especially that I know the players union is out of my way, yeah. that they got my back on this, yeah. we're going to watch out. Now, do you think something is and going I, to happen? And, and I do think, Mark, going back to your thing about punishing the whole team by, uh, screw that. Yeah, all of you are done at the same time. All of you. And if uh, Jose Altuve, it seems like you were the one that, didn't really want to do this, but you didn't speak up. You didn't stop it. So you're going to get 30 games. He's uh, the modern-day Shoeless Joe, by the way. Well, well. Yeah, well. he is. No, no, no. If you, believe, Mark, if you believe the story. Which I don't, okay? I think. So the story was, because people don't know, some people don't know what the hell we're talking about. 1919 Black Sox gambled on the, on the, they threw the World Series. Yes. Didn't feel like they were getting their fair share of the money coming, Cor- coming to the team. Correct. And so they conspired with gamblers to throw And you're the, you're the baseball historian here, but according to the story, Shoeless Joe, if you look at the numbers in the series, yeah. had a great series. Yeah. Wasn't committing errors. Did well at the plate. So the theory was he didn't participate. He was trying his best to do it. Okay, you got Altuve, his teammates saying he didn't cheat. He didn't use the yeah. trash can system. He didn't whatever. Where am I off in the thinking? Uh, first of all, Altuve didn't use it as much. But, I mean, they've got the graph. You can... They know how often the trash can was used for each player, and Altuve's number. He they, it wasn't used as often for Altuve, but it was used. It was still used. Uh, so there was cheating involved with Jose Altuve. He knew about the system happening, and benefited from it. Okay, so I don't. I, what I think is happening is the players are trying to protect his MVP season. He won the MVP in 2017. Yeah. So Makes I, sense. Th- I think that the players are going out of their way to try to protect that one sacred cow and say, man, we got... Because then, you know, we're all, the, the World Series is already tarnished. They're going to take it away from us, but it's already tarnished. we got to protect somebody here or something from that. Yeah. And that was another crowning moment for the team is that MVP. So I think that that's just about protecting Altuve, who seems as guilty as the rest of them. Yeah, the uh, so I don't believe that Altuve was as innocent as they as the team wants to claim. How about that? Okay. So do they get punished? No, no. Rob Manfred, even though he has the chance to, uh, Mark, you know, you kind of touched on it there. Like going back on your word is a hard thing, and when when you've promised somebody something, it's tough to make that phone call and go, "Hey, remember that thing I told you I wasn't going to do." Yeah, I'm doing that thing. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times it's just easier to say, I'm just going to deal with the consequences of doing the wrong thing. I'm just going to deal with the consequences. Because the truth is, this is all going to blow over. The truth is, once baseball start flying at these guys' heads, then people are going to be like, yeah, I'm glad they're not suspended. I want them out there so they can deal with it this and way. And the, the irony is, the first time a guy throws at somebody and it appears intentionally, he's suspended. He gets in more trouble than any Astro did for cheating all season. It's wild, isn't it? <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. yeah. I saw a good one. Uh, Wilson Contreras last year got in an argument with an umpire um, and spiked his face mask in front of the plate. And the mask bounced at a weird angle and kind of shot back to the right side of Contreras and brushed the umpire's leg as it fell to the ground. I think I remember this He got a three-game suspension for that. (laughs) He got a three-game suspension for spiking his his face mask and having it bounce up and brush the leg of an umpire. Can't touch him. Yep. And now it's a... uh, Now this is just something that they're... You know, they're going to say, and the, the, the crazy part to me is how disconnected all these Astro players sound when they're like, well, we've decided we're moving on. We've decided, <laughs> we've decided we're focused oh, on oh, 2020. Really? Oh, and shocker. I, I was waiting for one of those announcers, one of those uh, reporters to go, all right, fellas, they decided they're moving on. Let's just, <laughs> let's pack up our stuff. We can go now. 
No more questions about last this year. This is no longer yeah. a story. Sorry, we were we were here to talk about last year. Sorry, man. Good oh, luck. Oh man, we just prefer to focus on this year. You see oh, about no your, you see the news about your Cubbies that uh, David Ross going to use Chris Bryant as a leadoff man. I saw some news the other day. I didn't see the specifics on that, but I saw some tweets about how he's already better than Madden was and whatever. I, what was the reasoning? Just well, they don't have a leadoff man, and he just said he's open to it. Is it that tough to get a leadoff hitter? Yes. Really? Yep. Yeah, look at the difference between having Dexter Fowler and not having Dexter Fowler. I know. I don't know yeah. why we let the guy go. Yeah. Like, he was a good leadoff. I don't hitter. understand the. I, I don't understand either how you could biff that important of a role on, on the team. I mean, it's it's you see it, man. It's vital. You can have most of the pieces of a team on the field, and if you don't have all of them, you can't. You, you just, you're, you're not a complete team, man. I don't know how, what other way to say it. It's the same thing with the pitching staff as you Cub fans have seen over and over and over. You can have yeah. really good starters. You can have deep starters. You don't have a bullpen, you're screwed. Yeah, you need everything. Yeah, you can even have a decent bullpen. You don't have a closer, you're screwed. I was like, watching a lot of baseball last year, and it was just amazing to me watching some other teams that, you know, just because I was betting on them, to be honest, makes you watch a lot of sports you don't normally watch. But just watching teams like the Rays and, like, their bullpen, it's like five straight guys come out all throwing 100 mile an hour heat, and Cubs don't have any of them. It's the most frustrating thing ever, including also their new network, which hopefully YouTube TV <laughs> will pick up. The marquee network is is out. Great idea. It was inevitable. Cubs are going to get their own network, and I know it's on DirecTV as of now, and Hulu just signed them, but so far YouTube TV does not have a contract to carry their games. Hopefully that'll get changed. Uh, got a lot of upset Cub fans. Talking about the changing landscape of sports media. Yeah. Um, have you heard what the A's are doing? No. The A's are not going to be broadcasting their games on the radio this year. Really? This is like the first time a Major League Baseball team has not had a home radio affiliate since like the 20s or something. All right, I'll play dumb. Why? Um, they, for all the same reasons that the Cubs, they want to own it. Okay. So they are now asking, if you want to listen to the broadcast, you can download an app, you can subscribe to their service, and you can get all of the A's broadcasts. So they have, they still have a broadcasting team. They still have a broadcasting team. They're still broadcasting the games. Okay, I'm not even sure if it's called broadcasting anymore. Quite frankly, I don't yeah. know. Maybe yeah. it's narrow casting, but it you yeah. are you are casting the games in some way. Yeah, there's an actual. What what's your take though? Not one of surprise. I mean, this is just where it's this going. This is just the evolution of sport and media. Yeah, you know, this is. Dude, I was part of it. Like, you know, we this is one of the things got us going here, right? Yeah. The the radio landscape is changing very quickly. And this is this is definitely a sign of the times. I would Mark, I would guess in a decade. By 2030. Okay. If you want to listen to an Iowa Wild game, you're probably doing something like that. Yeah. If you want to listen to, you know, that's well, I think that all, every, all everything's that changing now. Right. I mean, people want their own networks. Like in a weird way, I think it sucks personally. But Cyclone TV, it's never been a good product in my opinion. It doesn't work half the time. But you understand why they're trying to do that. Um, you know, the Longhorn Network. All of those will become more and more common. Um, what I hope is uh, cord cutting. It's a huge thing now, right? A lot of people doing the streaming services more and more and more. Your direct TV is going to get hurt by that. Your dish network, cable, all that's going to get hurt. I envision a time where TV is is all a cart. I mean, you you want these 10 channels and that's all you want? Then that's what you buy. And you might have to pay more for the privilege of doing that. Um, you want to watch any game that's on somewhere? Absolutely. You can do it. It's three bucks to yeah, do it. Right. You know? it but this whole, right. like, you, you've got 75 channels and you watch four of them. You got 250 channels. That's one of the things I used to be a DirecTV subscriber for a long time. And one of the appeals was you have 500 channels. Mark. Or 400. How many did I watch? Mark, I think you are even thinking in, uh, you're even using some terms here that will be obsolete in a couple of years. One of them is channels. Yeah. There won't be channels anymore. There will be production companies that produce shows and content and then supply that content to your streaming services. Yeah. 
And that'll be it. it. There will be no. It won't show on TBS. No. It won't show on TNT. No. And I, again, that's probably a long ways away because yeah. you know, they always thought the radio was going to go away too. And every car produced today still has a still radio has a ra- sitting yeah. in it. Right. Yep. Uh, so it, it, things will evolve. The, the, the a la carte part of it is really fascinating to me because you can already see that kind of cycling where it used to be that you could actually specifically go through and kind of pick your channels and do your thing. And then it was like, well, we'll just bundle these together. And yeah. most people that have this, they do this. So now we're kind of back to that bundling thing. And I think you'll see that start to get picked apart again, where we'll go because back to Because of the, waste. There's exactly, so much well, waste. Exactly. And then, and, and that's why I say eventually we will get to the point where we want to be channels because it, we're all doing that same thing where it's like, well, wait a minute. I only watch ESPN and National Geographic. Why am I paying for the Discovery Channel? Eliminate that from my service. Well, eventually we're going to say, wait a minute. I only watch Dr. Pimple Popper yep. on, on National Geographic. So why do I pay for all these other shows? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. All right, we're an hour and four in. We gave you guys plenty of good content. We're going to get out of here. I'm going to have Vegas stories for you next week. Love it. Go when we fun, come bro. back, Ross has got his real estate test. Next we will, Tuesday, baby. We'll also check in with how that uh, went. Now I'm nervous because I told people about it. Good luck, buddy. Another episode of Jump the Shark is in the books. Ross and I hope you had fun with us and we made your week a little better. If you love the show, you can help the show. Please subscribe to us wherever it is you listen to your podcast. You can also show some love by telling others about Charterhouse Real Estate. We have made it easy for you to talk about us by charging sellers a lot less commission. They will thank you for giving them our name. We truly appreciate your support, and we will talk to you next week.